You are looking live at the two most beautiful faces on the Climbing the Pocket Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me is producer Dave. We are going to be talking Vikings and NFL draft. One of the things we're going to focus on today is unique scenarios. I wrote a seven-round mock draft for the Vikings Wire last week that focused on building around Kirk Cousins. How likely is that? What could it look like? And more here tonight on Mock Draft Mondays. Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? I love that opening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, you should love that opening, Dave, because you created it and it is fantastic. This is another great episode of Mock Draft Monday where we are one week removed from the start of the legal tampering period. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me is producer Dave. Dave, how are you doing, my friend? You're looking good in that Lake Monster hat. (laughs) Uh, Lake Monster's awesome. I'm down to one beer left, saving it for Wednesday because we've got a special event. Come Wednesday, I will announce that at the end of the show. However, they make some awesome beer, though. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I, I was able to finally get in, into my store. If, if most of you don't know, I do run a liquor store. It's my day job. Top 10 Lakers in Austin, Minnesota. Come on out and see me. Get some Lake Monster Brewing from me there. We uh, currently just have one variety, but we are going to have more here in the coming weeks. Dave. Let's uh, let's start talking Vikings. Let's do some kind of breaking news here first. If you don't already know, Zadarius Smith, the Green Bay Packers edge rusher, who is now a free agent, is in the building. They are having dinner, presumably in the back room at Manny Steakhouse in downtown Minneapolis. But He's are visiting they? today. I've heard they've changed the spot from Manny's under the new regime. You know what? There is a chance that they change the spot. I'll tell you. Manny's is a great choice. No matter what, they are having dinner right now per uh, Chris Thompson of the Pioneer Press. And that's a really good sign. If a guy who is in demand and has visits with other teams potentially lined up is staying in town and eating dinner with you, that's really a good sign as far as him potentially staying. And Uh, You want another good sign? Yeah. Tonight he tweeted this. Very good sign. Very good sign because – and I just want to point out that I found that t- tweet and Dave did not, just That's in case right. anybody was curious. Um, so one of, one of the nice parts about Zedaria Smith is he would create a fantastic compliment to Daniil Hunter. In fact, you could argue that Daniil compliments Zedaria Smith. They would be a nice uh, uh, symbiotic tag team pass rushing duo. And that would be tremendous for the Vikings to have. The problem is the cost. And this is what we talked about a lot with the Kirk Cousins contract. If you were to extend him and that cap hit high, you're going to miss out on opportunities to sign players like this. If you sign him, then you really don't have much cap room unless you restructure Daniel Hunter to sign anybody else. And you still have to figure out a way to reach the draft class. There are a lot of different things at play for this team if they do sign Zadarius Smith. What's he going to cost? Because he, he had initially agreed to an 8.75 and average annual value uh, deal with the his original team, the Baltimore Ravens, but he ended up backing out of that deal for reasons unknown. And now he is uh, talking with the Vikings and having those conversations. Really, really good to see that those conversations are happening. But at the same time, 
we have to temper our expectations a little bit because we just don't know how this is going to play out financially. Dave, when you look at this, how do you see it playing out financially and will it be beneficial for the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I put in a comment to Darren Campbell, my partner on Two Old Bloggers today. I, how they figure this out money-wise, I have no idea. There are possibilities. As we know, Daniil Hunter passed his Sunday mark on his contract, day five of the league year. He's going to get paid his bonus as soon as he shows up to camp. All right? Mm -hmm. But the commitment to the bonus is there, so that's there. They could take that and change it into um, immediate money to Daniil and then spread out that hit over four years because there's four years left on his contract, two active and two um, void years. They could do that. That gets you about $13-plus million right there and then. That's possible. Uh, you could also do that converting signing bonus into money right now for O'Neal. That's possible. You're not going to gain as much there, but... There's ways to do it, the whole kick the can down the road thing with massaging money to make it happen. If they go for Zedarius Smith, I was looking at his numbers. Now, he was hurt most of last year. He just played in game one and then the um, yep. one of the, uh, the divisional games. And it was a back injury, and those make you worry and go, hmm, but if you look at his numbers two years ago and Daniil's hunters two years ago, between the two of them, they had almost 200 pressures alone. Not, you know, a good defensive lineman, be it edge or tackle, especially tackle, but edge, if you get 50 pressures a year, you're doing good. Both of them almost got 100 alone. And can you imagine something of that quality, both healthy now, going off the edge, I can see why he typed, meet me at the quarterback. That would be fun to watch. I would just... Oh, yeah. And it makes it easier. Got to remember, if you have pass rush, that's effective. That makes it easier on the secondary. And where's our weak spot on the defense? The secondary. On the corners, the outside, it gives them more time. So... I look forward to it. I hope, I hope they massage it. I hope they pull it out of the Wilfs couch cushions, something to make this mm-hmm. thing work. And they could do it, you know, low money this year and bigger money in out years, and it's possible. Now, is it the way we want to get, you know, cap healthy? Probably not, but can it be done to do the run it back thing? Absolutely. No, I agree. Um, and this uh, potential signing, quote unquote, and what they do here within the next week or so is really going to determine if this is a, hey, we're going to do everything we can to win now, or if this is really to set up the future. Uh, you could argue Whoa. that the signing of Smith, it could be either way. Well, see, I can't, with with the moves they made so far, I can't see we're doing this for the future. I see it as we're running it back to win now that Mike Zimmer was the entire problem. We're bringing back the entire offense, um, the extension of Kirk Cousins, the pay cut to Adam Thielen. Yep. All the things that have moved there, they're bringing everything back. 
And to me, that tells them they're in it to win it this year. Not, you know, hey, here, I'm going to give you a year or two to build it. It seems like, no, we're going this year. And when we're targeting people like um, Smith, that's a that's a this year deal. Now, granted, the defense needs all sorts of fixing. Um, but to me, that's a, that's a we're going for it. There are two other uh, potential free agents that the Vikings have been reported to be interested in. If um, Zadarius Smith does not work out, they are also interested in getting Jadavian Clowney into town to go opposite side of Hunter. And I like that idea. You like that idea of Clowney? Yeah, but I'm also hesitant because I, I worry he's going to cost too much for what he's going to bring you. Clowney is a disruptor. He's not a finisher. And I think with this defense, uh, disruptors are fantastic, but you only have one finisher on the roster, and that's Daniel Hunter. You need to have a second finisher, and that's just not what Clowney's game is. And I think that's why Zadarius Smith makes way more sense because I think he's more of a finisher than Clowney. Mm-hmm. And that's why I – as much as I like the idea of Clowney, I would kind of stay back and. Well, let's see if yeah. Smith falls through. Like I said, there's the second one. And also they're trying to get JC Treader into the house. The only high quality free agent lineman left. Mm-hmm. And uh, Treader plays center. I like that idea. Treader uh, is one of the best centers in the NFL. And he became available, like it, presumably because of the Deshaun Watson trade. And then once that happened, he it all made sense. Mm-hmm. They have Nick Harris waiting in the wings, who is basically discount Garrett Bradbury, which Deshaun Watson has the ability to avoid pressure. So that's not going to be as big of a concern for them as it would for say the um, Minnesota Vikings, who have Kirk Cousins, who is a little bit less mobile and kind of collapses under that interior pressure, which is why J.C. Treader would be a tremendous signing. Center is the most important interior position. Mm-hmm. Guard, you just need average play. And the problem is we haven't had average play in almost a decade. Ezra Cleveland this past year gave us the first true average season from a guard in quite some time. So because we've seen such horrendous guard play, we even forget what average looks like. And you get average, you're fine. You have your tackle set. You get a really, really, really good center who can do a lot of check. Uh-oh. Cousins doesn't uh, there we go. really seem to, seem to be great at. I, I really like the idea of bringing in a top-tier center to really uh, solidify the offensive line. I do, too. Um, we could use him. And especially if you had him already knowing what's going on, you have – um, Ezra going into his third year, and it usually takes three years for alignment to to bloom and get into who you know the who they are. And then if you bring whoever's playing right guard, whether it be Udo, White Davis, whomever, right, you have that base in the middle, and then the only spot that needs actual help may be that right guard spot. But you have people with experiences on both sides of him. Obviously, O'Neal on the right, and if Treader's in the middle, that helps a lot and should keep 
people off of Kirk Cousins, which helps Kirk Cousins a lot. And then we become a more aggressive and proactive offense, which helps the Vikings a lot. And we can continue with it. It was all Zimmer's fault scenario. But they got to yeah, make this it all Zimmer's fault. Uh-huh. This all Zimmer's fault. That crowd is really going to, uh, they're going to eat crow, I think, at the end of the year. Now, here, here's the thing Zimmer had his flaws, and the flaws were incredibly evident on the offensive side of the football. On defense, the only reason we were, weren't as bad as they could have been was because of Mike Zimmer. Zimmer put guys in positions to succeed. It is not all on him that the players didn't succeed. That DJ Wanham basically lucked into eight sacks because he was in the right spot. Not because DJ Wanham was good. DJ right. Wanham was bad last year. Um, and then the defense was relatively good when Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter were both healthy. Mm-hmm. And then they started getting ravaged by injuries, something that this defense really hadn't had to deal with a ton of over the course of Mike Zimmer's tenure. They had, they had injuries here or there, but they got ravaged last year. That blaming Mike Zimmer for everything, I really think is uh, is lo- you're looking at like a false prophet syndrome. Like Kevin O'Connell is not going to come in here and just automatically keep everything good that Zimmer is doing and fix everything that was bad. Right. You can't expect that. If you expect that, you're going to be disappointed. Kevin O'Connell is going to come in here and have his flaws. He's a he's a, and he's a rookie he's head, coach. head coach. Yeah, rookie he's- head coach. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement. You're not getting Bill Belichick in here. You're just going to come in here and command the damn room well, and fix Bill everything. Pella, Bill Belichick in his life. rookie year um, yeah. didn't do fantastic. And, you know, in his rookie campaign, he got fired. So mm-hmm. it's – and it is what it is. We're going to have fun seeing. It's going to be a blast. I have – I know no further news on the Viking side of the house. We hope to hear if anything pops open while uh, – where we're doing this, let us know in the comments. We'll verify and post that up. Now, 100%. your draft. Let's talk about your draft that you yes. had on uh, Vikings Wire. Yes. But I'm a, uh, so one of the interesting things about the, that I did was I'm trying to use these to explore situations and explore different potential outcomes. And one of the tough parts is a lot of these outcomes that we explore aren't necessarily going to be um, – they're not going to be plausible. They're not going to be likely. But it could happen. One thing we know at the draft is that never rule anything out. Remember Laramie Tunsil and mm-hmm. the gas mask with marijuana? Anything can happen on draft night. So what I did here was I explored the potential of the Vikings just saying, hey, we're, we're going to completely forget about the defense. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on building around Kirk Cousins. So that's what I did. The first two picks were geared towards building around Kirk Cousins. What I did was I got a receiver. So this team can really go three wide and feel really comfortable about the depth that they currently have. And I got an interior offensive lineman who can play center and guard and even bump out to tackle in Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. But that wide receiver is one that I really want to spend time talking about, Dave, and that is Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. There has been a lot of mixed reviews about Chris Olave. He is getting overlooked, and he's getting overlooked because he should have probably should have been in last year's draft class but decided to come back to Ohio State for his senior year and try and win a national title. I love Olave's game. 
He's a technician. He's savvy. He knows how to get open. He knows how to use his body in space. He has good straight line speed, and he's able to snap off routes at an instant. I really relate him to Justin Jefferson because the things that he's great at are are not too dissimilar to Jefferson. And Jefferson was massively overlooked by the entire league, falling to the 22nd overall and ended up being the best receiver and arguably a top three player from that draft class. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about that, it really resonates with Olave because he should have been a first rounder last year. Now he's like, oh, he's a fringe first rounder, second rounder. They're just guys who are better than him. I don't think there are. Right now, Olave is my top wide receiver in this draft. Okay. And you could argue one of five different guys. You could argue Jameson Williams out of Alabama. His teammate, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Drake London, USC. Traylon Burks, Arkansas. You could argue a lot of different guys to be that top wide receiver. And you see Dave throw, uh, putting the graphics here. You know that, That's really nice producership. But when you look at everything, I just think Olave has got the complete package. He's great with the ball in the air. He's great after the catch. And he's going to get overlooked, which is why I ended up executing a trade down uh, with the uh, New England Patriots uh, to uh, acquire pick uh, 21, and I believe it was uh, 54. Mm -hmm. So then that extra second-round pick ended up being a cornerback, and that was Tariq Wolin out of uh, uh, University. This guy is somebody that we need to be really considering for the Minnesota Vikings, especially for a long-term build. 6'4", 215 at corner, ran a 4-3-1, insane 10-yard split, phenomenal athlete, and his his wow plays uh, at the corner position are Darrell Revis good. Problem is, he's only played the position for two years, and mm. he is very raw, and he makes some boneheaded mistakes, but he's still learning. When you have those kind of flashes and you have that kind of athletic profile and potential, at 54, it's an absolute steal. Because you could arguably in four years have the best cornerback in the National Football League with the profile that you're looking at. That's why I ended up making that selection. Um, Overall, this draft was really just built on trying to maximize Kirk Cousins. And I think we did that. My uh, third round pick, uh, if I remember correctly, was Drake Jackson, the edge out of USC. That really nice compliment to uh, that was the first one, yeah. Neil Hunter, yep. And it would be a nice rotational guy if we did end up signing Cedarius Smith. So the the antithesis of the draft was helping Kirk Cousins, the strength of your team. Sometimes you need to focus on your strengths. Sometimes you need to focus on your weaknesses. Free agency was about the weaknesses. The draft is about emphasizing the strength. And I don't think this is necessarily going to be plausible. There is wide receiver draft is deep. Um, Chris Thompson, good friend of mine, uh, asked me of the wide receiver group, where do I rank Rodson? He's going to be around seven. Uh, there are a lot of really good receivers. And I think if Christian Watson had an Ohio State helmet on, he'd go top 20. Yeah. Yeah, just the usage, the usage at NDSU was not there. He was mainly used as a blocker. They were on the most diverse rushing attack in college football because of that you're not going to necessarily get a lot of opportunities as a pass catcher. So Watson, athletic maven, just dominated senior bowl in the combine. 
Um, by all indications, is a fantastic kid. And you can't teach 6'4", 208, and run a 4'3", 640. Uh-oh. That's abnormal, not natural, and he's able to do it. His comparison for himself is Debo Samuel. So that that's the kind of diversity you're going to get with his play. So Christian Watson is a fantastic player, and if he's available at 46, you sprint the card in. But I think he'll be gone in the first round. Yeah, I would not be surprised if the Green Bay Packers took him at 28. He fits the their Green profile. Bay, I, want the, I want the Packers to fail. Let them take a punter mm-hmm. at 28. Oh, hey, I do not want punt God to go to the Green Bay Packers. He deserves better than the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> All right. Dave, when you looked at the draft, uh, what were your impressions of it? What did you like? What did you see? Um, well, I don't know all these players like you do, but I do know positions. Um, I think Kenyon Green in the second round as a guard, you've got – he can compete with Wyatt Davis for starting spot, uh, and you could go from there. If not, you're building depth, right? I have no problem with that. We could use depth all across the board. You don't know who's going to get hurt during the season. So depth is good. Then you went with cornerback. We obviously need corners. So I that's good. Uh, you took Tariq Woolen. Hopefully Woolen can stand up and uh, go in immediately and be adequate. Don't expect anything more than adequate out of a draft choice. You will be disappointed. And then once we get into the lower rounds, don't even expect that. So if we can get that out of Woolen, we're doing great. Then you went edge to add to the group. We've got two guys. If they sign Smith and we got Hunter, both who's had injuries these last two seasons, uh, having people be able to fill in is good. Hopefully they both stay healthy and we don't have to worry about it. But don't plan on that. And having somebody in the future – because fully expect Daniil Hunter will play this year. I have no doubt about that. We gave him his money. He's going to play. I expect next year is going to be the holdout because he's not making enough money because, frankly, his agent is not the brightest tool in the shed and has kept him on lower-than-value deals. So we get him this year. You build up, you can deal with things down the road at that point. You're building for the future. After that, you went interior defensive line with Matt Hen- Henningsen. Hey, I like big boys yep. in the middle. Um, and he's athletic, very athletic, and he plays with a nasty mean streak. Dave, this is the kind of guy that you would love to have in purple. Well, I like guys that do that, and I love that they compete. It's you know, It's always the way I – I could go against a guy that was 100 pounds better than me in all state down in Massachusetts, and uh, I would try to knock him on his ass. He tried to knock me, but at the end of the game, we respected each other, and uh, we loved it because it was 110%. I want to see that from a lineman. I want to see that from an offensive lineman. I want to see that from a defensive lineman. And on the, on the field, there's no emotions. I mean, there's no hurting your feelings. It's uh, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to make it hurt. I'm going to beat you hard, and I'm going to beat you every single time if I can. And I expect you to do the same for me because, you know, like they say, iron sharpens iron. Let's do this. And uh, I want my linemen with that sort of mentality. 
Off the field, they could be teddy bears. That's fine. All right, round six. Now we're getting into guys that, if we're lucky, make the um, special teams. But their future developmental picks, maybe. You got uh, wide receiver Charleston Rambo. What a great name. I have no idea who this kid is. Um, So, uh, actually, Dave, all you need to do is go and ask Ryan uh, because he did play at Oklahoma and he transferred (laughs) out uh, from Oklahoma. Drew, I just want to. Oh, no. Glover. And. I just I, I'm hurt that I was not your priority tonight, but I digress. Um, your uh, yeah, your Rambo, audio cut out from that. All we heard was Drew and then Ted Glover. Oh uh, no! Okay, well, well, uh, I I had a good one, but uh, I'll have to tell Drew off air because I was just <laughs> ripping him a new one for prioritizing Ted over me. Uh, you can't replicate that. Anyways, uh, Rambo's an interesting guy because he wasn't the most productive in Oklahoma. And there was a crowded wide receiver room, which uh, at a place like Oklahoma makes a lot of sense. They get blue blood, blue chip recruits. And he goes to Miami to play with an arguably um, worse quarterback in De'Ara King. The Spencer Rattler, five-star, and then they ended up transitioning to Caleb Williams, another five-star. But he thrived in Miami. He really figured out how to vary his release package um, ran better routes and was a dynamo in the middle of the field with uh, with the ball in his hands. So when you talk about Charleston Bow, he is he's a really nice Z, a developmental Z type receiver. Kind of think of the role Adam Thielen played for the past few years, uh, doing like all, all your deep stuff over the middle. Um, just a diverse wide receiver, and initially he can play special teams. We don't know what Amir Smith-Marset is going to be in the NFL. We just mm-hmm. don't. And you can't count on him to be great unless you have some kind of answer of what he's going to be. Uh, oh, and you want a that, stable full of young guys that are competing with each other, right? You get one this yeah, year. You have absolutely. ISM from last year. You have Ozzy, you know, from the previous year. And you want these guys mm-hmm. to compete to, hey, I want to be wide receiver two. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's wide receiver one. Adam Thielen, too, is, is Adam Thielen's wide receiver, too, for now. But you want the young guys going, I want Adam's job. I want to beat him out for two, make him three on his road to retirement, right? That's the goal. You got, And they should be going, throwing uh, with quarterbacks as much as they can, preferably Kirk Cousins. Kirk, mm-hmm. have, call him up, have a camp, set it up, go down someplace warm where the grass is nice, and start throwing footballs. Get your timing down with these guys already. Yeah, There's nothing and, you that know, stops the nice you doing part about, it privately. The nice part about a six-round pick, Dave, you can stash him on the practice squad, and mm-hmm. you don't have to worry too much about losing him. Um, and then uh, Denver Sox fan asked about Tariq Carpenter, who is kind of the next guy on, um, the, on list? the list. Yeah, so Carpenter's an interesting one because he played a lot of safety at Georgia uh, Tech, but – then at the Senior Bowl, he played both safety and linebacker. He did both sets of drills. Carpenter, I believe, is going to be more of a hybrid type. He can play well in space. Uh, I like him better in the box, which is why that hybrid role, kind of similar to what Buda Baker does in Arizona, really be able to maximize his effectiveness and versatility. 
I really like that, but I also think that he's a developmental guy right now, and he's going to be a core special teamer early as he learns uh, the nuances and speed in the NFL game. And to answer Drew's question, Drew, he's still in town. They're out to eat with him right now. And I'm sure you saw the tweet where he said, meet at the quarterback. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. a cryptic tweet that has all sorts of history tied to the Purple People Eaters. And maybe it's going to happen. But staying in town yeah. to go eat with with whomever is a good sign. It's a fantastic sign. Um who is next on the list? Was it Barno? Um, no, it's uh, running back Tyler Algier from BYU. Ooh, yes. So the future, the, the future of the running back position, yeah, the future of the running back position for the Vikings is murky at best. Alexander Madison's a free agent after this year. We don't know what Kenny Wongwu is going to bring us, and Dalvin Cook is a question mark because of his contract. The contract becomes very, very movable after this year if you don't restructure. And that's going to be really key to watch. I believe it's going to be like $5 million in dead money. So very, very palatable. Algier is not going to give you a lot of straight line speed. What he's going to give you is shiftiness. He's the one-cut style back. Great for a zone blocking scheme. And he's got fantastic vision and burst through the hole. He's also 5'11", 225, and he can run through arm tackles. He's great out of the backfield catching the ball, and he knows how to block. He doesn't have a lot of high-end traits which is why you're finding him in round six. But just kind of like Elijah Mitchell last year, he's somebody you can come out of nowhere and be very impactful and effective right away. And because of the future at the position being murky at best, this is a really great dart throw to make. And you could probably sneak him onto the practice squad if he doesn't make your initial 53. Yeah, And your last and final was in the seventh was Edge from Virginia Tech, Amare Barno. Barno ran the fastest edge uh, or fastest 40 time in the edge group. It was 439, which puts him, I believe, in the 98th or 99th percentile for 40 times. It may even be 100. The guy's fast. His tape is very inconsistent and at times bad. So when you look at all of those uh, aspects, it can be very frustrating. Um, but when you have that kind of raw ability, uh, especially standing up in a 3 4, mm-hmm. it's going to be really good for him. That's the kind of guy you want to throw the dart on. This is exactly the player that Rick Spielman would throw the dart on. High upside athlete, incredibly raw, and needs work. These are the these are the players you want to take late in the draft because if they hit, they're going to be massive wins for you. The wins above over an average seventh round pick is going to be through the roof. Just like look at what Stephon Diggs was, way better than any fifth round pick. That's those hitting on those picks is why the Los Angeles Rams was able to win the Super Bowl because they hit on so many late round guys that were contributors for that team. And they had to because they paid so many stars. They had to rely on hitting on late picks because they didn't have first. And then they spent second round picks on Tutu Atwell. So when you have that kind of front office that utilizes the resources completely differently, you have to hit on late round guys. If you use the resources similar to an average NFL team and you hit on late round guys, it's even more incredible. Because it's it's not expected. It's a bonus. So Barno is the kind of guy I want to throw a dart on in the NFL draft because you have that high upside athleticism. Good. Well, that was your draft. And like you said before we started this, it was building around the fact that we've extended Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. 
But was that the correct way to go? You talked That's about it on Friday. I did. Hello on a beautiful Friday afternoon. One of the interesting things about the Deshaun Watson trade outside of everything that encompasses it is the quarterback trade market now. And did the Vikings not play their hand in a smart enough way to really understand what the market would give them for Kirk Cousins? They could have done a lot of things to get themselves under the cap and prepare themselves for a potential move to see what they it could potentially bring back uh, with multiple teams now still looking for quarterbacks. We have question marks in Indianapolis. We have question marks in New Orleans. And we still have question marks in Carolina. The Vikings decided that they wanted to roll things back with Kirk Cousins. But on a long-term approach, it's very frustrating that they didn't at least consider that, hey, maybe we should just try and push things off and wait a week to see what could happen. Those things can make or break a franchise. We're going to see what happens with this Kirk Cousins move. Was it a smart move? And how does it affect the Vikings long-term? The fact is we'll really never know what Cousins potentially will be worth on the market. But I'm really surprised that Quasi didn't at least try to get there. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. Skull Vikings. Now that was a good video. And that was for the people that missed it when you put it out on Friday. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, the Real Forno on Twitter, Forno08 on Instagram. I'm going to be doing more of those. Just quick one-hitters, break down a topic, and just try, try and get some analysis and um, understanding with different situations. Um, I was really surprised um, initially when the Vikings signed him uh, for a lot of reasons. And then once the Watson news came out and I looked at the quarterback landscape and realized what all was out there, it really hit me that Quasi, I think, made a mistake by not waiting to try and see what the market was going to give and how you could maximize that. And I say that because uh, from his background, he's a market guy. He managed head funds on Wall Street. He understands how to play markets. Um, he understands how to maximize assets. And he, <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Pornographic. Oh, man, that reminds me of high school. People used to make that joke all the time. Uh, he knows how to maximize assets and get the most out of them. And because he didn't do that with Kirk Cousins, like it really hit me and I was surprised. Even if you don't trade him, exploring the market can be incredibly important. Because once you explore it with a $35 million dead cap, it, it just takes on a little bit of a different meaning. So I was really surprised. I thought that Quasi really should have tried to figure out how to get cap compliant and figure it out. Now, as as Bradley, Bradley said, said move. Uh, it may be I somebody don't else. Disagree. It could be but, the, it could be the Wilfs. It could be Andrew Miller. We've heard them all. That's possible, and they may have forced it. Said do yeah. this, and versus him waiting to see if he could get more than the reported two seconds um, out of Buffalo. I'll say, I'll say this much: the Brownies. You still don't have to ha sign that extension, and you could still wait it out, and you could try and convince ownership to do something if the market is that robust. Like I said, like, the ownership may have forced it and said, do it. Yeah. yeah, it's very possible. But just on a general level, I was just really surprised at Quasi not really wanting to try and explore that market or showing interest in exploring that market publicly. Mm -hmm. It's 
and we haven't heard anything leaked of the uh to the contrary either. So right, and we I won't know. know I, I for feel a like while, yeah, if at all. So. The Vikings overall, I think, mismanaged the situation, and they should have at least tried to explore that market because. But you got to remember, who knows what they could have gotten? Rookie GM, rookie head coach. We're going to have some no cachet. Yep. Mm-hmm. So no cachet. All right. As we continue on forward, Dave, I believe it is time for our weekly mock draft, draft Monday. And we are on the mock draft page. You are logged in. It is time to start a draft. Come on, let's go. Mock drafts. Start mock draft. For those that are listening and not watching, I am on the Draft Network. We are selecting the Vikings mm-hmm. as our team. How many rounds today? Uh, three. Going three rounds. Hitting start. And let's go. And we have comments from the the our crowd. Purple Haze, welcome to the show. Uh G Mac, we haven't done it on the show. I think I think G Max means uh, pro football. Well, Pro Football Talk does not have a simulator. One thing that uh, I decided uh, with the show and everybody agreed on, we wanted to use the same simulator every week. The reason why we wanted to use the same simulator and um, use uh, our uh, our co-founder, Jordan Reed's uh, alumnus, the Draft Networks, was because it gives you consistency. And I know the work it goes into it that is just a they do a tremendous job of keeping this up to date. Nobody's perfect, and I've used the Pro Football Network simulator. They do a tremendous job as well. But we wanted to pay homage to Jordan, and we wanted to stay consistent with the simulator because if I do one mock draft with this one, and then Pro Football Network's the next, and then Pro Football Focus after that, it, as far as representing it to you, the viewer, it's just there's going to be something lost in translation. So we decided to go with just the draft network and utilize that one moving forward. And they do update their draft boards, the consistent consensus board every day as we get closer and closer yep. to draft. All right. We have our for we have a trade offer first from the Texans. They're wanting That's us to a move, big no, Dave. Move down one spot and get a seventh. We That's have a good seventh. Um, we have from from the Saints. They want us to move down six spots, get their third and a fourth for our first and the last. That's a baby. Is uh, there you go. Your Patriots twenty one, a third and a sixth. Definitely no to the Patriots, Dave. What do you think about that Saints offer? That's pretty intriguing. It is a conditional third. But then you get a fourth-round pick, which you did not have because of the Chris Herndon trade. Why is it I con- would take it. Why a conditional third? It says third. Um, it, it was it, the first uh, 36 picks are 65 through 96. That's um, 
uh, sorry, not a conditional third, the uh, a compensatory. It's a compensatory third round pick. Uh, oh. I would still take it. I'd take the deal. Okay. We're not going to be able to make that fourth round pick, but Malik Willis just came off the board. Looks like we could have taken Jermaine Johnson. Uh, okay, here we go again. Dolphins, 29, a third, a fourth, and a 20, uh, and a fourth. Steelers, their first six. Uh-oh. I'd say no. Uh-uh. Him either. Let's just stay put. Decline, decline. All right, we're okay. on the board. Let's look who is available. I got to shrink the screen. Come on. There we go. There we go. All right. Garrett Wilson, Jordan Davis, Kenny Pickett, Tyler Linderbaum, Drake London, Devontae Wyatt, Zion Johnson, Traylon Burks, Perry and Winfrey, Kenny Green. When I when I take a look at that, uh, there's a there's a couple different ways we can go about this. We can fix the interior offensive line. There's two guys available. Tyler Linderbaum is a fantastic player. Um, Dan, I love Elam, uh, but when I when I take a look at this, um, I would take Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, because as much as it's not a a true need. You do need another receiver. Um, he's, uh, you could argue Traylon Burks, but Garrett Wilson is kind of like a Riley Ridley. Sorry, not a Riley Ridley, Calvin Ridley clone. And I think uh, as far as trying to explore options, I think this is a, this is a fun one to do. We have a lot of people um, in the comments talking about uh, taking Traylon Burks. You know what, Dave, let's appease the people. Burks is the other guy I was really considering here. Traylon Burks. You don't want to go Kenny Pickett? Oh, Kenny Pickett, my. No. Vikings select another wide receiver to help Kirk Cousins and that Kevin O'Connell offense this year. Does he bet on games? Oh, does he bet on games? Oh, that's, that's a tremendous line. Drew would have picked Garrett Wilson. All right, here I, we go. We've got against a Garrett Wilson. Trade offer. Uh, the Colts want us to take their pick, move up for up four spots, and give us and have us give them the forty-six spot and give us or us give them our seventh round pick. I I'll stay. Main reason I'm staying is I don't see that actually. Moffe just went off the board too. Damn it. Um, Went off the pick before. Giving a seven to go four spots in the uh, second round is not a uh, plausible trade-off. And then we're not going to do it for one spot either. Yeah. And here we go. Cowboys often offering us their two to drop. Ten spots and their fourth. Patriots two and their sixth. <laughs> the Jaguars 
are offering their fourth, fifth, and 2023 third. I'd say pass. Let's. All right. So here we go. We got Daxon Hill, the safety, because I'm. Where this is going, we're ignoring cornerback. This is about trying to maximize Kirk Cousins. All right. Daxon Hill, safety. He can play in the slot. Uh, Lewisine, Jalen Petre. This is kind of a sweet spot for safety right now. Um, don't forget, guys, we already got our fourth back with that first trade. Um, Christian Harris is an interesting linebacker. Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, running backs. We're going to ignore that position. Sean Ryan, Tyler Smith, interior offensive lineman. Tyler Smith is an interesting one. He's a mover, and he's like he's 6'5", 325, and he puts people in the dirt. Um, when I take a look at this, the guy I would I would want to take is Daxton Hill, and I know that's going to make our, our good friend Drew happy because uh, go blue. Um, What's wrong with Daxton uh, Hill, Drew? Nothing's wrong with Daxton Hill. Great player. Uh, truly diverse, can do anything you ask of a safety. And he, I believe he thrives playing a center field role. Uh, you can put him in the slot. He can roam the box. But in uh, center field role is uh, the best spot for him. Um, I think Petre is going to be uh, played, uh, to answer your question, um, Bo, he's going to be played uh, like Honey Badger. That's the kind of role he's going to play. Just uh, a roamer all over the middle of the field. Fantastic. And we picked Petrie like four drafts in a row. Yeah, so that Petrie rules. Um, take Daxton Hill or run. Drafted. Thank you, Drew, for the nothing wrong with him. All right, here we go. Kansas City's offering their 62nd pick for our 77th in the third and 6th, 191. If we want to stay in the second round, that's enticing. No, I'll. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. 60, 77 and 195 to go up to 77 62. and 191 to go up to 62. Dave, we're going to have to decline it because it's not a logical trade. That would never happen in an actual draft. Um, as much as I would love to be able to do that, we want to try and give semi-realistic um, results, and you're just not going to get that with trades like that. All right. Here we got the Giants. They're offering us to move up 10 spots for our third and sixth. I'm going to decline that. Boy, everybody wants us to move up. But this is at least better, 77 to 68. Um, and it would cost us our seventh rounder. No, I, that's still not realistic. That would have to be like a fifth, maybe a sixth. All right, let's see where we're at with uh, 77. There's going to be some good players on the board. Decline. Boom. Travis Jones, the interior defensive lineman, UConn, is a – I am a big fan. Um, 
Dylan Parham, interior offensive lineman, Memphis, Carson Strong, who everybody knows I love. Um, a lot of tight ends here. Now, depending on what happens um, with, with Smith Jr. Irv Smith Jr. Um, Long term, we don't know if he's going to be be somebody to really prioritize. We did get that defensive back where Daxon Hill can play a nickel role right away, which is really important considering how uh, um, inexperienced your corner room is. Here, there's a couple different ways you could go. I think the best way to go, <coughs> uh, excuse me, is fortifying the offensive line. Dylan Parham played a tackle at Memphis for a while, but then transitioned to the interior and started playing center. Uh, for the uh, uh, for the draft process, his his ability um, as an athlete is tremendous. Um, as Joe Marino uh, notes here, his best fit is a zone scheme. I think you uh, he would be somebody who could play right away at guard, or you could transition him as a center. I think he would be a really nice addition to the interior. Kennard is interesting, but I think he's too. Mo- not quite enough of a scheme fit. He's more of a man gap power or a true inside zone. We're going to be running wide zone stuff. Um, I would take Parham. Um, If we didn't have a million defensive tackles, I would take Travis Jones because I love Travis Jones and I think he is a dominant force, but we, it's, we can't. All right. Now we have our last or the, let's see. Texans are offering their 80th pick for our round 398 and our fifth rounder. 18 spots to move up. And then a fifth. For a five? Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, we're back on the board. All right, and this is where we can uh, we can really pick and choose. Um, the only two players that went out were Travis Jones and Jalen Weidemeyer. I know everybody is begging for a cornerback. Dave, let's look at the corners because I don't think that there's going to be one worthy of being taken here. Alante Taylor and Marcus Jones. Well, you got Goodrich. Marcus too. Jones is going to be. Oh, Goodrich is there? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Let's take Goodrich. I love Goodrich. Let's talk about Goodrich. What does this kid look like? Six foot even, 190 pounds, standout. Brings good size, length, athleticism. Best in the press and zone. Well, we're going to play press, so let's go that route. Boom. Drafted. That should be it for tonight. As it rolls and finishes, yes. i got to remember next time to uh, put it on fast. Tight end needs, Brian. I don't know if we need what we could use one. Absolutely need one. Not so sure because I don't see the second tight end being a, a playmaker tight end more than a blocking tight end. We have Ellison who should be able to step into that role. But we do need it for depth, and it would be nice to get a second playmaker type tight end. All right. Mm-hmm. There are our results today. I will expand that to make it easier for people to see. That may have been uh, right there. 
Now, remember, we're going for this to help Kirk Cousins was the purpose of tonight's mock draft. Did we do a good job or not? We had Traylon Burks as wide receiver, helping the wide receiver room. We got Daxton Hill as a third safety who could possibly pay corner or nickel corner. We have Dylan Parnum, interior offensive lineman, who could be groomed as a center because who knows where that position is going. Hopefully Treader, but how long will that contract be for? And uh, if not, we're stuck with Bradbury. And, of course, I don't think Bradbury gets a fifth-year option or goes beyond that unless he makes some miraculous jump and no longer gets forklifted. And then we got exactly. Mario Goodrich to round it out at corner. Yeah. Um, I really like this draft. Here's the tough part. We're not going to fix everything right away. We are going to still have holes on this football team. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to hit unless we have a 2017 Saints draft, which in the Pantheon of draft classes could look at the look like the best draft class of all time when all is said and done. Ryan Ramchek looks like he's on pace to be a Hall of Famer. Marcus Lattimore could potentially be a Hall of Famer. Trey Hendrickson, seventh-round pick, is dominating for the Cincinnati Bengals. Marcus Williams just signed a $15 million-year contract with the Ravens. That, that draft class was an all-timer. Oh, and uh, there was a, a little-known running back named Alvin Kamara in that draft class, too. Just absolutely insane. Unless you're hitting the pantheon of great draft classes, you're going to still have holes. And I think we did a really good job of addressing Kirk Cousins and addressing a depleted secondary. Nothing's perfect, but I'd give this a solid BB plus because we did hit needs and we got really, really good players at value. Mm -hmm. I think we did. I will save that and put it up on the post of Daily Norseman tomorrow. And uh, what have you got working on the rest of this week? Um, I have an article coming out tomorrow or Wednesday for NBC Sports Edge talking about the quarterback carousel and what teams are still on the market for a quarterback, what could be, and dark horse teams to make a quarterback selection high in the draft. I also have some stuff coming for the Vikings Wire. My mock draft roundup is coming as well. I will be doing a full seven-round mock draft later this week like I have been the previous couple. That's going to continue throughout the draft. We're going to be talking Vikings football um, throughout the rest of this offseason. And there's just going to be a lot more stuff. We're going to continue doing the show on Mondays. Um, I'll hopefully get some other appearances as well so we can really keep talking. Um, I will be doing some uh, Twitter spaces um, mm-hmm. sporadically. So keep your eyes out for those. I was in a space with Nate Atkins, who writes for the Indy Star earlier tonight, talking about Matt Ryan and that signing. Like, there's going to be a lot of content coming here in the next six weeks. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled, notifications on, and we're going to have some fun. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Um, I want to get to, first off, switching screens again. Before we go anywhere, uh, of course, our great partner in this, we're partnering with two entities, Daily Norseman, longtime partner, and now our new partner to go along with it is Lake Monster Brewing. 
making memories and the best beer in Minnesota. I was going to hint at what we have later this week. You see right here, we have our live draft show on day two of the draft that's going to be held at Lake Monster Brewery in the brewery. It's going to be live. Wednesday's show, Vikings Happy Hour, we'll be testing the live setup from Lake Monster Brewing. And you can't beat that with a stick. The guys will be drinking beer. We'll have people interacting there straight from the brewery, and it should be outstanding, and it will be our dress rehearsal to make sure all the equipment works, and we have good signal and everything else coming out of Lake Monster Brewing. We love having them as a partner. Now, tomorrow night, we have In the Huddle, and In the Huddle, we have Eric Eager again. He sent me a tweet saying, Dave, I'm going to be on tomorrow night. We're talking Football, anything, Vikings, anything else, it should be wild. Of course, everybody on in the huddle got all excited, and we have that in store. Wednesday, like I said, Vikings happy hour from Lake Monster Brewing. And if anything fantastic happens with the Vikings between now and then, maybe like a uh, Sedarius Smith signing, we might have Viking hot takes. But if not... The boys will be taking the week off. And then Saturday, Darren should be back in Yellowknife, Canada, and we'll be back on our normal schedule and catch up on the stuff we missed this last Saturday. Apologize, but we had to reschedule because uh, Darren's wife had other plans. And anybody that's been married knows how that goes. Yes. Yes, that is very true. Um, You have to make sure you take care of your wife, and that's... Mm -hmm. That's very important. Unfortunately, sometimes it, it uh, interrupts the content, but happy those are wife. sacrifices you have to make. Happy life, baby. It, isn't that true? In the meantime, thank you guys for tuning in and uh, helping explore the potential of really focusing around building around Kirk Cousins because I think that's something that Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa are going to accomplish, try and accomplish. How they could do it could be a lot of different ways. This is one way they could do it, focusing on receiver early, getting an interior offensive lineman. But in the meantime, from producer Dave, myself, Tyler Fornis, Skull Vikings, have a great week. Make sure you pay attention to what's going on with myself and climbing the pocket. A lot of great stuff coming for you. In the meantime, Skull, baby. Turn in your Mondays purple. Skull Vikings. Climb in the pocket. Thanks you for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, ring the bell. And if you're listening, rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull!